welcome to ESC Pulse, the podcast that beats into the heart of your vision. My name's Kelly. Hello, hi, and tonight I'm Volare. Oh, Gandare. Anna's always joining me. Oh, fair enough. Um, well, I'm John, and if if well, if you're Volare, then what am I? Um, <laughs> I'll 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 go for um Soldi. <laughs> for Leather Soli still Solo Soldi Anyway, hello, yes, and um welcome to our first um episode of the twenty twenty two season. And as you can guess, um we're doing our annual country special, which is what we do for Fat Years host country. And this year, of course, we're doing Italy, which is quite exciting. And um Very exciting. But, yeah, and uh, for this podcast, we have a guest. Um, we haven't had a guest on for our country specials for quite a long while, but um, I thought that for this one, I, f- I knew someone who was quite an expert in Italian Eurovision and would um, be a great help to, to us in terms of discussing Italy's Eurovision history. We have... Um, from Eurosong.hr, which is the Croatian uh, Eurovision fan page, we have Emilia Giacometti. Hello! Hi, Kylie. Hi, John. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Bene. Grazie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, first of all, thank you for inviting me. Second, I really can't wait to see how the Italians will organize the Eurovision Song Contest. And I am excited because this is only seven hours drive from here, from my city, somewhere, wow. something like that. Oh! Yeah. And thankfully, I have a lot of cousins around touring, so... Yes, I'm finally not paying the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you lucky thing. <laughs> ah, so um, if you don't mind, Amelia, could you explain like what's going on? Because um, you're from Croatia, but you have a very Italian name. Could you explain what's going on for those of you who aren't aware who you are? Well, my dad is from... Uh province of Croatia, which is Istria, and Istria has a lot of history between Croatia and Italy, and he is one of, he's a member, and so am I, a member of the Italian minority in Croatia, and here we have around 20,000 people, I think, I think because we recently have, we had the, you know, the census, and I still haven't seen the results yet. So a lot of people are in Istria. The, the small part is around Darovar, and the small part is in Dalmatia around Zadar and so. But considering that a lot of Italians come here during, also have here uh, their their houses because basically those are those Italians uh, were here when they were when they were kids. But they moved to Italy, and now they're every summer they're going to Croatia. 
And uh, well, until 2002, I think, the Croatian broadcaster had Sanremo broadcasting on their third program. So unfortunately, oh. yes, yes, but un- unfortunately, that's not an option anymore. So oh. thankfully, yeah, thankfully, I have Rai Uno on my television, so I can watch Sanremo until 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes it does run that long. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot. Well, my dad remembers uh, people ba- during the people Baudo uh, regency that he used to have <laughs> until 5 or 6 a.m. in the morning. So... Amadeus having until 2 a.m. is not so unusual and not and basically it's normal. <laughs> oh boy. And pretty soon we'll be going through all that again from the first week of yeah. February. <laughs> Cannot <Yeah>. wait. <laughs> okay, so um let's um before we start um going through the history of Italy and Eurovision, let's just have a quick general discussion. Like, um, well, what are our general opinions of um, Italy and um, the kind of entries they send to Eurovision over their entire history? Um, Emilia, why don't you go first, um, of course, because um, you're the one with the Italian links. <laughs> Well, thanks. So basically, we can say that Eurovision is actually young uh, Sanremo's younger brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, uh, Sanremo is made uh, as a festival of the t- typical Italian song called Canzona in 1951. First of several years, they Sanremo had two winners. Also, all, to be precise, one song. But two people sang it. So basically, yeah. it was a competition of songs. But they actually had, like, two performers. For instance, uh, you know that Volare, or Nel Blu di Pinto di Bull, was actually performed not only by Toto Couture, but also by John Donnelly. Oh, okay. Yes, and uh, there was an, an, an interesting, interestingly that... Uh, that I think Dio Come Che Ti Amo from 1966 it was also performed not only by Domenico Budogna but also by Giulio Cinquetti. So there was a lot of discussions and uh, they actually, Domenico Budogna was first selected for Eurovision that in 1966 but he decided to change a bit of the arrangement. They didn't like that new arrangement so Basically, three days before Eurovision, they wanted to ask Giulio Cinquetti to come to Luxembourg as soon as possible. But in the end, Maldonio didn't want to give her that chance <laughs> because she wanted to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so he ended that year with zero points <laughs> and less. I've, yeah, the worst Italian result ever. So later then, they had an option, not an option, but more a selection that the winner of one of the winners of Sanremo 
would be chosen, one of the singers, but they would have to bring a new song. For instance, you have in 1969, uh, Eva Zanicki had Zingara, which is a huge, which is hugely popular, popular song in Italy. But uh, in but she brought to Madrid another song. Yeah, so also uh, Sergio Andrigo won in uh, he, you know that Sergio Andrigo is also from uh, Croatia. Also, okay. he was born in Pula. Yes, I always like to say it. Yeah, he's actually born in Pula, but uh, after the World War II, it was a quite complicated situation with Italians here in Yugoslavia. So he and his family moved to, uh, I think he moved to Rome or stuff like that. And he became there a huge star and so on. And went to Eurovision. And so, well, we had, there was a quite warm, cold situation with Italy because uh, it was always Sanremo at first, on first place. Eurovision was like, oh, okay, I need to, if I need to do it, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, they, you know, the in the situation with Gigliola uh, in 1974, when even though she was against the referendum about bringing the, bringing the ban on divorce, she had a song named C, but and the Italian broadcaster thought that she was actually pro-divorce ban, ban, so they didn't want to broadcast it and <laughs> didn't want broadcasting like in prime time, but they moved it like in rerun somewhere in the middle of the night. Okay. And also, yeah, and uh, also we had uh, those, those three years during the 80s when they didn't want to perform, then we had in the 1970s when big stars like Mia Martini or Mattia, Mattia Bazzar, they went to Eurovision, but they went with songs. Actually, no one knows about those songs. Okay. For instance, when, yeah, yeah, for instance, uh, Ricky Poveri went to Eurovision in uh, 1978, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But that song, they went, is not so popular, popular like, for instance, uh, Sara Perché Ti Amo, Mama Maria, and so on. Yeah. And then in the 1980s, they also had a similar situation like they did in the, in 2010s when they, come, when they came back. For instance, uh, Alice won the Sanremo in 1983, or yeah, 1983, but Ricardo Foglio was already selected for Eurovision, so she went the year after with... Uh, Franco Battiato and Treni, Treni de Toser. Yeah. Yeah, and of course we had Albano and Romino Power, the mighty couple of Italian music scene, who went two times, and I'm not so sure people know their songs. <laughs> I know a couple of the songs, like Felicita mm. and uh, oh, what's mm. the. Yeah, but I'm not so sure Magical Magic is so known. <laughs> no. Yeah. And also we have an interesting fact that 
they, that in 1990, when Eurozone was in Zagreb, in now capital Croatia, uh, it, Italy won, but Toto Kutunio was a runner-up of Sanremo 1990. Yeah. In fact, in fact, that year, uh, Group Tipu won, but uh, one of the singers confessed later that that was one of their biggest mistakes Ooh. in their lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, he actually said that at that time they needed to prepare two songs, one for Sanremo, and in case they they won Sanremo and was were asked for Eurovision, then for Eurovision. But they didn't have that backup song, so Rai selected Toto Cutugno, and uh, Toto Cutugno had that backup sing the song, and guess what? <laughs> Yeah, they ended up winning. <laughs> <laughs> they ended up winning and having that epic fail of organization in 1991. But let's be honest, they did have to postpone every plan and uh, change it before because yeah. they wanted to do it in Sanremo and Sanremo is quite close to Yugoslavia and already there were a lot of I won't say I won't say it because I need to be good here. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you can already see some kind of decline because uh, Rai didn't even broadcast Eurovision in in the prime time, even when they won and even when they organized. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> so and I remember that I think. They accident when they withdrew in after 1993. They came back like in 1997 because the manager Jalisa found some kind of hole in in the registration thing. That in case that maybe the winner has a chance to go to Eurovision and probably there was a and he used that hole so Italy. Like came back for that one year. And there were four. <laughs> there were four, but unfortunately, but Italy, they didn't saw it like a perspective. They didn't like some new rules, uh, and so they withdrew for another thirteen years. Luckily, they came back in two thousand eleven. Yay! Yay! <laughs> but what? Oh, okay. This is only my personal opinion, but. I think Italy always sends some quality songs. Of course, of course, there are some songs you can believe the Italy sent it. So, but mo- mostly, I can't see why they are quite popular, and they needed sooner have that third victory. Actually, they had to have at least at least six victories, in in, in my honest opinion. Okay. Yeah, I can totally see what you mean by that. Yeah, I feel like, like I mean, when we get into it a bit later, I feel like there's at least one of a that they could have had at least, uh, at least four, by my count. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, you know, you always when you listen to those songs, it's always 
it's not meant to go to Eurovision. It's not like, uh, for instance, in Sweden or in Norway, when you have all where you have a lot of songs made on songwriting Eurovision camps. Yeah. But those are actually songs for the Italian music market. They're actually representing the Italian music market with some kind of Sanremo touch uh, when you need to have when you need to suck in <laughs> the the jurors and have some melodic thingy. Yeah. In itself. But mostly that's that's it. You they are actually representing their own music scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, me personally, like I've been learning Italian for nearly two years now, and I've been since then. I've been looking more into like you know San Romo songs that didn't go to Eurovision and um, what songs are popular over there. And um, yeah, there's um, yeah, de- um, yeah, you definitely see like quite a few. Every year you see quite a few songs from that year, San Romo, become actual big chart hits in Italy. Mm. Yes, and I wanted to say now, Moneskin did one last year. And they even won Eurovision, and they even won San Remo, and became hugely popular among the world. But Ditty Money was never first on their, on their official music charts. Oh, wow! Yeah, because on during the first period it was uh, Musica Leggerissima from yeah. from uh, Colapesce di Martino. Then uh, it was a hiatus until until uh, May when Eurovision happened. But back but then we had uh, San Giovanni with Malibu, who was quite who was widely popular. That's why you can't find Zitti Buoni among top two songs of 2021 in Italy. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Um, John, what about you? Uh, um, what do you think about um, Italy in general when it comes to Eurovision? I think um, the history of Italy at Eurovision is um, a bit of a dichotomy. Um, you know, on the one hand, it's um, it's very obvious over the years that, at least up until recently, that um, Italian television right didn't really care for Eurovision. They, you know, um, the it was all about the domestic festivals, Sanremo, etc. Um, and I listened to another podcast called Eurovision Legends, and they've interviewed several Italian entrants, and they've all said. They didn't get much support um, for going to Eurovision. Um, like, like, like you said, Amelia, I, I, on, I only recently discovered that um, when uh, Toto won in 1990, it, it was on television at 11 p.m. <laughs> um, on the on the other hand, um, for you know, for, for a country that apparently doesn't care about Eurovision they're consistently good and the list of artists reads like a who's who of Italian music um, there's the, I can see one um, that maybe isn't treated so well 
in Italy that the Eurovision fans love, but I'll get to them later. Um, and yes, I feel, I feel sad that um, Italy has so many good Eurovision songs and they, they're not remembered in Italy. Like, um, if someone will come on Sanremo and do a medley of their songs, they'll never sing their Eurovision song. <laughs> Um, I yeah. think I think since Italy's comeback, things are definitely changing. Well, I have to agree, uh, but only, but I need to correct you a bit. Uh, the only person who performs his Eurovision entry is Duberto uh, Tozzi, because in that year he won uh, Sanremo with uh, Enrico Ruggeri and with uh, uh, Gianni Morandi. That's Actually, his only victory on Sanremo. Can you believe it? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and he went in, in like in 1970 on Eurovision. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Gente di Mare is actually a quite big hit in Italy. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I remember he was a guest star one year on Sanremo. I can't remember it was 2017 and 2018. And the whole... Aviston venue sang aloud Gente di Mare. Wow. And I, I know, well, I can't see why not because that song is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely pre 2011. Um, hmm. Italy must have forgotten almost all the Eurovision songs, with the exception of Gente di Mare. Hmm. Uh, Nel, nel blu dipinto di blu and I think there's a couple of other songs there that were big hits mm. but um, it's, it's, I, I, it's a shame because I, re I really love a lot of Italian songs which will become apparent once we get stuck into them yeah I totally agree I mean like I, I, I mean there's probably a couple that I'm not so fond of but I'm aware that that's more my personal taste but I don't can't think of an Italian Eurovision entry that I absolutely cannot stand do, do you know what I mean so it's so it's like they're at the very least decent do you know what I mean Definitely. yeah yeah I know but I only have one song I detest and I think you already know which one is it. <laughs> oh, I and think we'll get to that. I th yeah, I, th I think everyone remembers my rant about that song, so. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, we'll, um, we'll get to that eventually. Um, <laughs> um, you mentioned, John, that um, a lot of the entries, at least the ones prior to their come back that most of the entries um most italians will not have heard of and uh, i have to concur because um excuse me sorry um one of my friends within the pinguini patachi nucleari fan base um um i i was curious as to what she thought about some of the songs and I, I just ask oh don't, you don't have to comment on everyone just the ones that you're familiar with and um yeah the note she oh gave <laughs> the songs on the note she gave me were basically the obvious ones uh the ones that were big in italy and then most of the post comeback songs so yeah that i think that's a pretty good indication of that and uh, that's a 
pretty big um, piece of evidence that backs up what you said, John. Yeah, I think certainly the ones that came from San Remo would be very well known. Yeah. But um, most of the others, which I really like, sadly, for whatever reason, didn't become so big hits. Yeah. And who who knows why? Yeah. Okay. So um, before we get started, so uh, I'm just going to go through a couple of um, stats uh, about Italy and Eurovision. So obviously they were one of the original seven countries to take part in uh, 1956. And uh, as Emilia pointed out, um, Italy are pretty much the reason why Eurovision exists because it was based on San Remo, which um, was created five, five years prior. And um, and uh, they've won three times, had two, three second places and five third places and only one last place, which um, um, we'll probably mention it a bit later, but maybe that was a little... Maybe that should have been a zero last places there, but um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so we're gonna split this through the decades, and uh, because of um, uh, the erratic um, kind of nature of Italy's participation throughout the 80s and 90s, we're gonna have to group, we're gonna have to pair a couple of these decades together. So, first, we're gonna go through the 50s and 60s then through the 70s, then through the 80s and 90s, then the 2010, then the 2010s, and, well, everything from 2010 to the present day, I should say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so, um, so we're going to go through each of these decades. We're going to discuss any songs that won that decade, and we're going to discuss our particular favourites from that decade, uh, and um, what we think might have been underrated or overrated in the results. So let's get started with the 50s and 60s. So um, as is tradition, we usually play the very first song that um, um, <clears throat> that uh, their very first song that competed in Eurovision. And um, for Italy's case, I'm going to play the song that was first in the running order in 1956 so that song was by Franco Raimondi and it was Aprite le Finestre sorry Aprite le Finestre oh, I can't speak Finestre thank you <laughs> Aprite le Finestre sorry here's the clip La prima rosa rossa è già sbocciata e nascontimide le viole mammole Ormai la prima rondine è tornata, nel cielo limpido comincia a volteggiare, il tempo bello viene ad annunciare, aprite le finestre al nuovo sole, è primavera. A very nice song, wasn't it? <laughs> very light, musica leggera. Yeah, that is very musica leggera, musica leggerissima, rather. <laughs> yeah, now I only miss uh, Colapesce di Martino with that silly dance and their roller skater. <laughs> well, 
you know, right off, right off the bat, and this is going to be a running theme through this podcast, I think, um, Italy, as I think you said earlier, Emilia, should have won more times than they did. And a lot of years didn't get the results from the European juries that they should have done. And I think they should have won the first year with, with, with either one of their two songs. Because they, 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 because of course that year they sent the top two songs from San Remo, and you know it's it's um, set a running theme that they didn't win that year, um, but probably should have, and that is the case, and on a number of occasions I would say. Yeah, I think the most popular occasion they should have won was 1958, definitely. <laughs> but yeah. up to that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll get on to that later. And uh, of course, um, in the 60s, uh, we ha- Italy had one winner, of course, which was Giliola Cinquetti with Nonoletta. Let's have a listen, shall we? Nonoletta. Okay, I'm going to let the listeners in with a little bit of a secret. Um, we Many years ago, we attempted to review the 1964 um, contest, <laughs> but the audio recording got so messed up that we couldn't put it out. So we haven't yet done a second attempt which is apt considering what happened to the master tape of that contest just 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 like the 1964 contest it was lost in a fire in denmark (laughs) oh whoops yeah someone started a fire (laughs) but you know that uh if juliola didn't didn't go to copenhagen you know who would have gone who uh, Patricia Carli, she was the one who also won Sarevo with Nonoleta, but eventually they went for Giliola. Okay. And also, oh, yeah, and the second place was won by a certain Domenico Modugno. I don't know if you've heard of him. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he was furious because he didn't win, so. <laughs> oh, dear. But uh, yes, of course, I keep forgetting back then in, in San Remo, each song was sung by two artists, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes, I think until 1970 or so, it was uh, none, It was basically in the rules. But eventually they all split into one, uh, one song for one artist. So they came actually somehow back in 2013 when Fabio Fazio was the, the artistic director of Sarebo, but that was one artist and two songs. Oh, it was yeah. a quite a mess. Ah. It was a mess. It was a mess. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, one, one day we should probably do a deep dive into all the different format changes of Sanremo. Oh, yeah. You could go on for hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, but um, in regards to this song, um, uh, I do believe that this was the deserved winner of that year's contest and um yes. I, I just think it's 
I just like the whole package, you know, because you got 16-year-old Giliola singing a song about how she's not old enough to love anyone, which is which is quite funny considering, like, back then there was quite a lot of, like, creepy jailbait songs, you know, like and that this was for me kind of like the antithesis of that and it's just you know it's just you know so age appropriate and so like oddly mature and measured for someone of that age and yeah it's just yeah it's just a, a wonderful entry i think yeah what it's also interesting is that uh, first of all patrizia was nine years older than uh, Giliola. That was really uh, adequate for her. Imagine, <laughs> imagine a 26-year-old no. singing Nono Leta, per Amarti. Like, okay, but you're, you're like of age. She was like minor. <laughs> and the second of all, I don't know how the song with this kind of theme was function in 2020s, especially with Twitter and the cancel culture and so on. Imagine now singing, no, no, I don't have a that age for love you, for loving you. You sing it about about someone who's much older than you, and people like have a, at least thousand tweets in <laughs> one minute. Oh my God, she's but she's a minor. <laughs> oh my God, oh. But that's kind well, of the whole point of the song. <laughs> well, I did. I did have to chuckle um, in in 1991 when uh, Baby Doll from Yugoslavia sang "Nono Leta per Amarti" in her postcard. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. And, and I thought that's not true, is it, Baby Doll? <laughs> <laughs> Bless her. Um, I'm really hoping that um, the organizers in Torino are going to ask Giliola back to um, sing at Eurovision this year. That would be nice. Yeah, at least for the, for the opening. Yes, although she is 74 now. Um, well, so if, she, if she's still not old enough to love this person, then... Um... <laughs> well, she sang it on Sanremo last year, so basically she, like she gave a blessing to Moneskin to win the whole thing, so... Hey! So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else on this song before we discuss the rest of the 50s and 60s? Just that I was re just that I was really happy that they found a little bit of um, the footage that's been lost in the archives for so long on this song. Yeah. Oh they... yeah. Yes. Yes. Even yeah, though it's only it's only like a little two minute clip of from nineteen sixty four, but um, it's more than we've had for nearly sixty years. It's, yeah. it's, it, I, I think it was amazing. Yeah, and actually, uh, this song is quite covered by other singers. I remember, uh, I read somewhere that it, it even has a Finnish cover, Ooh. something like that. Yeah, and a uh, Hong Kong singer also covered it in 1964. So it's really a quite popular song. It's still fresh, but with kind of, well, like I said before, it's a quite questionable <laughs> theme. <laughs> Oh. Okay, so um, 
uh, let's talk about the rest of the 50s and the 60s. And uh, I think the first thing we got to discuss is, of course, possibly the most famous Eurovision song of all time. Possibly to the point that most people aren't aware that it was ever a Eurovision song. Volad! <laughs> oh! If you say yeah. if you if you sing volare, if you sing the word volare to anybody, they will go back. Oh, so, yeah! <laughs> such, so famous is that song. Yeah, and people can believe it didn't win the Eurovision Song Contest. I mean, who remembers who won that year? Maybe only hardcore Eurovision fans who go to quiz. I think I'm a, it was. I'm, obs- I, I'm obsessed by the fact that volare finished behind Giorgio. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that yeah. song, but that's one for another for a Switzerland podcast. Yeah, and I also from uh, that that period, I also love uh, Ciao Ciao Bambina, uh, or as we all know, Piove, also from 1959, Domenico Modugno. Yeah, I, I like know, that one like, too. Another, yeah, another but... hit. It wasn't such a big hit, but it was quite respectable. Mm. But that's more like a childhood memory when my dad had that pirate CDs all in one, all Italian discography, and my and he would play Domenico Modugno when he was bringing me from school. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so we all sang that ciao, ciao. Bambina. Sorry, I'm just reading from my notes that my friend uh, Alessandra gave me. She wrote about um, now Blue Deep into Deep Blue. Um, uh, she just basically said, yeah, this is basically the song that everyone associates Italy with. And, sh- and she writes... Fun fact, when I went to the US in 2010, I was a long queue waiting for the ferry to go to the Statue of Liberty in New York, and there was a man singing with a guitar. When he understood that we were Italian, he immediately started to sing Volare. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I think that's one of the most covered songs in the world. I think it has like 85 official covers. Whoa! Yes, it's that thing... And he didn't even win. Imagine what would be if he actually won it. Oh, man. It certainly would have been a much better winner than what actually did win, which was, mm. I believe, was France with so- with that kind of yeah. dull ballad. Mm-hmm. It, was called, it was called Sleep, My Love, and most people did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the... Uh, the thing is with uh, Domenico Modugno uh, and uh, why he actually wanted to come back to Eurovision and actually was pissed because he didn't win Sanremo is the fact that he actually got the post Eurovision hit with with uh, the Blue Pinto di Blue. So basically, may- maybe that was like uh, why Sergei Lazonet wants to come back. He felt he feels that he needs to win it. So he tries to find every single way and the possibility how to return to the contest. 
That yeah. would actually explain why so many why Sweden has so many returnees. <laughs> I'm in a different Valen. Not shady at all. Don't see no shade. No, you need shade, no pink lemonade. Um, any of the songs in this um period that you want anyone wants to bring up? Yeah, the well the other the other Dominican Madonna song, the third one, Dio Cometiamo, which was also a a, um another Mm -hmm. um song that didn't win but also became a hit. Um it seems it seems so strange that he got zero with that, but the 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 mix that he brought the the remix for the to play at the Eurovision it sounded so strange and nothing like nothing like the song normally sounds and that's probably why mm. that could be why he did so badly. Yeah, probably. Mm. Yeah, I think that that's what I said before. Uh, also, I think that they actually I actually wanted to bring Giliola back. Mm. Giolava was the one who had this who would perform the same song, but eventually he wanted to go so badly and he did everything he could just to go to Eurovision and he ended up with a flop. Unfortunately, that was the last time we saw him, but Giliola came and Giliola came like eight years later and almost won the thing. And probably she would have won if the other wasn't there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Funny how things worked out yeah. that way. Yeah, uh, and also, and I also have to mention I also love from this period uh, Sergio Rigo and the Iwazaniki song. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I I I really like um, Sergio Rigo's song very much. So that's one mm-hmm. of my favorites, and um, I I also wanted to mention Aldi La from '61. Um, I think that one was one of the many Italian songs that was robbed. <laughs> I think it sort of walks away with um, the contest in 1961. Mm. But, you know, the judges aren't always in... They're, they're mm. you know, they're not always displaying taste, are they? Yeah, I think that the problem with uh, the 1950s and 1960s is that uh, they the jurors preferred a bit, a lot the French language. So yes. they, so the that's basically what now Eurovision fans talk about Italy. Everyone loves the Italians, the Italian language. They now love the Italian songs, but we need to look out about those certain period of time, that period of time when French was actually more popular on Eurovision and to sing. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, that totally makes a lot of sense, yeah. Um, for me... Uh, yeah, although I can't explain why at that certain period of time uh, the Netherlands had to win with a to Dutch songs. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of an anomaly, I have to say. <laughs> it was all or nothing with the Netherlands. They either won back then or they got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, for me 
personally, uh, apart from the ones that you guys already mentioned, um, I also um, kind of liked um, their 1965 song, Se Pianci Se Ridi, um, made me... Oh, that's a lovely song. Yeah, yes, because yes. Um, I really appreciated the, the lyrics. I thought they were very sweet, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually think now when I look back at history that even the Nikki song is quite underrated. I think it, it should have been a bit higher. But considering that Lulu won that in year with Boonga Banga Banga, I <laughs> like, what? Damn it, Lu- okay. Damn it Lulu. Yeah. But we also need to take into consideration that it was a different voting system back then. I think that with today's voting system, I think they wouldn't be so so bad. No. Eva finished thirteenth, which is which is ridiculous. Yeah, that's that feels way too harsh. And uh, I think that's a good way to segue into the section where we talk about what we felt was overrated or underrated in the results mm-hmm. and um of course um 13th for um eva seems really harsh yeah but also we have to also now when when we talk about oh th- this italian song is underrated oh this chicken one we also need to remember that in 2019 Soli was actually bigger hit than arcade but eventually TikTok came and Corona came, so <laughs> it, the arcade became a bigger hit than Soldi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Um, uh, do you have any answers for the underrated or underrated results? Anyone? Yeah, I've, I've already said which ones I think were underrated. I... Um, wasn't such a big fan of uh, the song Uno Per Tutte. I think that was a little bit overrated, but that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, I kind of understand why it came third, but it's just, for me, a bit stupid because it kind of <laughs> plays into that whole, oh, Italians are, like, think with their <laughs> kind of <laughs> stereotype. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like the tip- a typical Italian Casanova. Oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I love friends, so yeah, I'm a huge fan of Joey Triani. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Joey doesn't share food. <laughs> Speaking of Italians, now we know that Joey is Italian also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think also that uh, my namesake was too high for that year. But okay. I at least a good song won that year, so I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not so shady. I love Danceville. Danceville. Yay, me too. <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> yeah, it really is a classic. Yeah. Okay. So, um, anything else before we move on to this set to the? Oops, sorry. Um, before we move on to the nineteen seventies. No, I think it's a good. 
Okay, so let's move on to the 1970s and there's no winner here so we can just go straight into it. So, um, yeah, the, uh, there's quite a lot of big name artists in here, but then again you could say that about any year, like, you know, 95% of Italy's um, Eurovision entries are by artists who were, like, huge at the time so that was probably a bit of a short-sighted comment on my part <laughs> but um yeah they got um one second place and one third place um in consecutive years funnily enough and so um who wants to start um what songs are you particularly fond of from this decade um amelia you go first well, from this decade, I can uh, say Mia Martini, Libera. And even though this isn't such a big... I'm not a big fan of Italy in 1970s, to be quite honest. And this is what I mentioned before. You had a lot of famous Italian singers. You even have Gianni Morandi and Drazio Moranieri who will perform this year on Sanremo in like a week. And the only person who misses here is uh, Nicola Di Bari. And they will, they actually performed that year, those years on Eurovision, and those songs aren't so, so popular. At least you don't think about those songs when you go to mention Massimo Ranieri's discography or Gianni Morandi's discography. Okay. Ooh. Even though I have a friend who's from Serbia. And he said that before Moneskin, his favorite Italian song was uh, Occhi di Ragazza. Oh, yeah. I I really like that choice. one. Mm. And, but, uh, yeah. and if I also have to mention, uh, I actually have a soft, soft spot for Era. Oh, yeah. That's quite a nice era. one. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, well... I think uh, everyone knows about Albano and Romina. <laughs> everyone knows about uh, Mia Martini, who should have won in 1992. Uh, Ricky Poveri, they are still uh, very, very active. And um, Mattia Bazzar, of course. And they came with songs they're not so familiar with. Their fans you are not so familiar with. Once I played to my nonna, my grandma, uh, I played uh, uh, Questo Amore and uh, she didn't even know who sang it. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. No, because that's not the song you you know you know Poveri. Uh, yeah, you know uh, they have a lot of popular songs. And this is one of their least popular songs, and probably that's why that that was the problem with. Italian were really choosing in 1970s because after Domenico Modugno when he flopped with a Sanremo winning song, they were choosing this artist, but they chose songs that weren't on Sanremo. Yeah. So a, quite a mismatch, and also they didn't even they didn't. Of course, there wasn't Facebook. You didn't have Twitter or Instagram. You didn't have to pay a bunch of. Instagram ads. Hi, Malta. Oh. Cut, cut, cut. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you didn't have 
you didn't have an option to advertise. And of course, this was a, a contest among juries. Mm -hmm. uh, among 15 people from each country. That, then you didn't, I think at that time, you didn't even know who were Ricky Apoveri or Mattia Bazar so much. I think they became popular, at least in Eastern European countries, uh, with other their Sanremo songs. Okay. Well, oh, I, lo I, love, <laughs> I love those songs, even if um, the people of Italy don't remember them. <laughs> yeah, um, funnily enough, um, I was just going to talk about the Gianni Morandi song, and, um, um, <laughs> and uh, this is that's the only song from the 70s that uh, my friend Alessandra sent me and um, I was quite surprised but then I read what she wrote and she she noticed that the, this was co-written this song was co-written by Lucia Dalla who is um, a very revered and celebrated and highly influential songwriter in Italian music and um, I was like oh wow well, that's quite impressive because you know you got one of the most um celebrated songwriters and one of the most popular singers uh, singing his song and that's that's incredible and um she explained um the story of the the song uh, you know is basically how he can see their future in in his girl's eyes and i just think that's really sweet i think and um yeah i i really really have a big soft spot for that one i think <laughs> yeah and i think uh, for lucio dalla is the name of uh, i think the press award of sanremo something like that i think i know some kind of award is on sanremo based on him so lucio dalla is a quite famous name and i'm quite surprised he never performed on your version yeah Oh, that would have been quite something. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm also quite a fan of uh, both of uh, Massimo Ranieri's, Ranieri's sorry, um, entries. Mm -hmm. I think, yes. you know, he's just got a powerhouse mm -hmm. voice and the, both those songs are very nice, I think. And, yes. um, and uh, of course, I like mm -hmm. uh, Mia Martini as well. And... Um, mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm trying to think of others that you haven't already mentioned. Um, does that, someone want to carry on? <laughs> well, we also need to mention uh, Giulia Cinquetti here. Yeah. Uh, I think that we can pass through Italy in the 1970s without seeing the cultural, not only the musical impact, but cultural impact about where because Imagine that a love, that such kind of love song, which doesn't even, which doesn't even go by, by, no, 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 doesn't even say vote for that option on the referendum. And actually scared so much the Italian broadcaster that they did everything not to broadcast, broadcast the con, the Eurovision that year. And basically stopped <laughs> yeah um i actually um uh, a while ago i actually read a bit about mm. um 
Italy's um, political mm. histories and um, particularly the 70s and 80s were a pretty fraught time with like constant bombings and stuff like that and yeah it was pretty scary to be honest and uh, yeah and also I forgot to mention that uh, Giliola came in a quite strong year back yeah she, we had uh, Olivia Newton-John, aka Sandy, on Eurovision for UK. We had uh, Ava, who became a global phenomenon after Eurovision. Then, actually, also I also liked from Yugoslavia, Korni Grupa. And uh, it was a quite strong year, and it's really amazing that she came second in that year. Yeah. And, and she would have done it if it wasn't for those pesky ABBA kids. <laughs> well, they became popular, so we'll forgive them. <laughs> yes. And um, uh, C was also a top 10 hit in the UK, but in, the, in, in, in the English version. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too bad that the song came into some political competition so it didn't get its glory oh that's a shame it is a a very beautiful song yeah definitely Mm. i also i also love um massimo ranieri at eurovision particularly Mm -hmm. uh l'amore un attimo um beautiful Mm. beautiful song and my possibly my guiltiest pleasure of um all the italian songs is a radio di luna i really like it <laughs> yeah, it's actually sweet, but it's not one of their best songs. No. I can yeah. I can well imagine. I mean, particularly after the seventies, there are mm-hmm. a, a number of Italian um, artists who didn't bring their best song to Eurovision, to say mm-hmm. the least. So I, I can well imagine that Mattia mm-hmm. Bazar have a lot better songs in their in their back catalogue but i really like this one (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah we'll get into that quite shortly um do we want to talk about what we believe was overrated or underrated in the results in the 70s well they were all underrated (laughs) yeah i mean johnny morandi came eighth but it was eight out of twelve disgusting boo Yeah, that was the year when almost uh, well, there was a a bunch of people of bunch of countries withdrawing. So I think that he would have done better if, for instance, Portugal came. Yes. Yeah. Such a shame. And um, just looking and um, at the results, like thirteenth um, place in nineteen seventy three. That's a bit harsh, but then again, that was kind of a strong year. Um, 13th in 1977, that was a bit harsh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, um, 15th in 1979, that's probably a bit harsh. Um, I haven't checked out 1978 for quite a while, so I need to refresh my memory on that. Uh, but 12th well, for... Yeah, they came 12th. And, you know, people did that song dirty, I Love Quest One More. And I was very, I was very sad when Ricky and Poveri did their Sanremo medley, and they didn't sing that song. But I know <laughs> it was not a big hit, so hey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But I, lo- I love uh, Sarapa Kid Tiamo, by the way. Yeah, that's a classic, that is. Yeah, and Mama Maria. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else before we move on to the 80s and 90s? I think not. Okay, so um, the 80s and 90s, this is where like things started to get funny and Italy started skipping years. Uh, so much so that I had to lump the two decades together. Um, yeah, sad- sadly, the rot sets in in the 80s, mm-hmm. which is very sad. Yeah. But the, quali- the quality of songs doesn't go down. No. Um, so, um, of course, before we get started, we've got a winner to talk about in 1990. So, Yay. Take, take it away, Toto. <laughs> started um like 10 years or so when i was looking back at older eurovisions when i was looking at like the older winners and stuff like that i i did not get this i was just kind of like oh this is uh this is like not aged okay like i don't understand what the relevance of this is to in this this day in in 2010 or whatever but like obviously in the last few years like not only because of like what's happened in politics the last few years but also just understanding what the mindset was back in 1990 i have a lot more understanding and appreciation (laughs) of this song and of course yeah it makes total sense that it would win like the first contest right after the um the iron curtain fell so yeah (laughs) um completely Um, deserved yeah i just need to for for the introduction i need to only quote our italian colleagues because i love listening to their podcast buonasera eurovision uh, they were talking about Italy on Eurovision and the victories, and they say like Italy sent a lot of great songs they should have won, and they won with this, <laughs> like with this. Well, I'm not. A, well, I'm a bit biased because okay, it's Italy, but I think that year in 1990 it should have been a double for Yugoslavia. Because Tai Chi is still that song, that bop. It's, yes! It's popular in, on every party in Croatia and Serbia and Slovenia. So there you go. Even 31 years later. And I think it shouldn't have been a double, even though it, it would have been a mess organizing Eurovision when basically bombs were almost flo- flo- floating or, uh, ahead of your head. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was uh, yeah, I think that back then in 1990 we didn't know what would happen in Croatia and Bosnia and Herzegovina. It was we were all celebrating. Oh my God! Now no more socialism, no more communism. The Rhine curtain walls are falling, and then you have 
a four year of torture in, in east of Croatia. Oof. Yeah. But enough about this. Um, I need to say that there were a lot of underrated songs of Italy in this period. For instance, Gente di Mare. Gente oh. di Mare. That should have won. That should have won the Eurovision. Why it didn't win? Also, this I gave 12 points on the voting. Rapsodia. Yes. Mia Martini was also the song of the year. And I can believe now when I'm looking a bit, both, both those years were won by Johnny Logan. <laughs> Bloody Johnny Logan. Bloody Johnny Logan. <laughs> he took away two Italian victories. <laughs> yeah, I definitely and... agree with you on the 92 one. Like, uh, I, I especially remember when um, Eurovision again did the watch back. I remember you specifically tweeted, like, how the hell did this not win? The three songs about it were a choice, to say the least. <laughs> and I yes. couldn't agree, agree, couldn't, I couldn't agree more with, with you more on that. Do you? Do you think that the judges voted down that song to prevent um, another Italy hosting? I wouldn't be surprised. Because looking back at the number of countries that didn't give Rhapsodia any points at all, it's disgraceful. I'm just glad that the Yugoslavia at least gave 12 points to it. So Yes. Yay. Um, yeah. And... Too bad that Mia Martini didn't see that her song, the Rhapsodia, who I'm still waiting on Spotify, is, is now finally being appreciated. But not also by, by most by Eurovision fans. Yeah, because um, she passed away a few years after that, didn't she? Yeah, Which is... yeah, yeah. she went over those, unfortunately. But she she had a quite miserable life. Uh, she even had a throat surgery. So she hadn't. She needed to work on her vocal cords. That's why you can easily hear a difference between her 1977 voice and her 1992 voice. Aww. Well, and the cigars. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely a a good old smoker's voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Rapsodia was one of those songs. You, I know you feel chills or all over your body. It's that song you want to. I don't know, like uh, Robin Shabatsky. You know that Jeff when she was drinking uh, under the table and sobbing. Uh, yeah, that's the soundtrack of the of that scene. Yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah. Is I I don't know I can't explain I I mean 1980s and 1990s were a lot of choices, <laughs> and that was a clear clearly a choice. <laughs> and that's why I needed to start about 1980s and 1990s with your with a quote from Buenosera Eurovision. Because we also had not only Gentil Mir, but also I like the 1989 song. Uh, 1984 was also nice. 1993 was okay. It was a quite nice uh, pop rock ballad. But uh, Nicole Jane won with another song. 
And basically, they came, they won with Toto Cotunho and and with that story before, I, it was I don't, like okay, I was a second choice, but I took my chance. Aww. Like an all, yeah, like all RuPaul's Drag Race All Star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't we all? Um, yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. Um. Uh, I'm just trying to think of where to start. So well, obviously, yeah, I totally agree. Like, uh, Rhapsody is my favorite of the 1992 and should have won easily. <laughs> um choices <laughs> um mm. uh i also like uh itreni to tozer um uh my friend uh alessandra n- noted that um obviously franco battiato is like considered a musical genius in italy so like so like that's yes. quite a yeah, big and, deal. Yeah, and unfortunately he passed away just days before Moniskin won in Rotterdam. Yeah, that was quite a shame. Yeah. Yeah. And also we can't forget the 1997 song "Fiumi di Farole." Oh I yeah. Mean, I mean, come on, how? Why does? Why didn't him won? I mean, why? Well, to be fair, I, in my opinion, 1997 was a pretty strong year, so it's not. So it's kind of like you could make an argument for at least five of those songs winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as, a, as a British person, I'm I'm holding on to our victory, <laughs> which was which was that which was our last and probably will be our last <laughs> for a long, long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, by the way, while we're on the subject of Fumi di Parole, um, obviously I also like really love that song. I think it's like amazing. Me which, too. Me too. Which shocks yeah. me when I got this note from my friend Alessandra. It says, "I think it's one of the most hated songs in Italy, and I honestly don't know why." I'm like, "What? <laughs> really?" I don't get it either, and. Mm-hmm. This mm. this is what I was alluding to earlier, and I said there was one act that's been done dirty by mm. um, the the people of Italy, and I think there was there was some kind of media scandal about them winning. They were they, they was accused of like being a fix or something. I don't know. Um, uh, there were there was this uh, kind of uh, first they were accused for being plagiarized it was uh, listen to your heart i think they mentioned uh then it was uh i think they won the sanremo but like who the f- are they yeah there were a lot of uh, famous people for instance uh, back then on Alexa was uh, also back we had syria we had a neck on laura nonce i mean who doesn't know laura nonce oh i absolutely i absolutely love laura nonce that's like that's like one of my favorite italian songs ever like that's legit amazing yeah and uh, then there were a lot of famous song a lot of famous singers and uh, in the end uh basically unknown band won the that year sanremo so of course there there will be accusations of oh my god this is 
this is rigged. Oh. But in the end, I think, I think I can agree with John that it was done dirty. And I was actually glad Francesca Michelin and Fedez uh, covered it last year on Sanremo during the cover nights. I know it. Yeah, I know it was a little bit, but it was covered at least in their own twisted way. I'm gonna have to go and look back at that. Yeah, it was a medley. Uh, It was among uh, Felicità, Fiumi di Parole, and some other songs. Nice. Yeah, that was quite a good medley, I thought. Yep, see, this is what I miss when I don't watch all five nights of San Remo, mm. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, ba- ba- yeah, basically, uh, the only controversy uh, about Fajolizo is that they were quite unknown. They, no, they were, bas- they were unknown to some Italian mass. Uh, but I, I love the song. I think that if you have a great song, it doesn't matter if you're known or unknown. If you have a great song, you will you will succeed. Yeah. Just like just like last year on, just like no, uh, three years ago, or yeah, for just now. Oh my God, it's not three years ago when uh, Mamut won and he was paired against Il Volo and Ultimo, who won the uh, Nuove Proposta year before. He has a bunch of young girls fan base and in the end Mahmoud one who was we was unknown to some big amount of people and he would won thanks to the jurors yeah <laughs> yeah um, I actually um like a while ago I was like asking my friend Alessandra like is there any Italian acts that you don't like and she was like I wouldn't say that there's any acts that I, that I hate, but one of the acts I really don't care for is Ultimo. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I don't know anyone who likes him, but apparently he's like mega popular or something. And it's just like, it's a bit, a bit hmm. weird. <laughs> yeah, I also don't know why I see popular among young girlies, so... Thankfully, Mahmoud won that year, and I think that if Ultimo went to Eurovision that year, he would have bombed the jury vote, but yeah. he would get probably a lot of a uh, lot of televote. Probably, yeah. Yeah, and also he uh, he was quite rude to the journalists. I don't know if you remember. What oh yeah, happened. he he threw a massive hissy fit after the show, didn't he? Yeah, he had. He was like a whiny baby when he didn't got his toy. <laughs> but I think that oh, okay. I know the juries can be fishy sometimes, but I think they did it right back that in two thousand nine. I think I went a bit too ahead. So <laughs> we're still in nineteen nineties. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, just um, uh, mentioning some others that um, I, I quite like from this period. Um, I quite liked um, Enrico Ruggeri's um, song. I just um, it's probably a bit of a bit of a unconventional choice, but I just really like the melody and it has this kind of 
traditional southern Italian kind of sound to it, in my opinion. And um, also, I kind of, speaking of like southern Italy, I've kind of appreciated how in 1991 they sent in this very traditional Neapolitan sounding song mm-hmm. in a Neapolitan dialect um, with, from um, Peppino Di Capri, which is. Which I thought was a very interesting choice for a for a host country, and uh, very much appreciated. I thought I absolutely love that song. It's actually a really sweet song, and I think I'm and to be honest, I'm not surprised it ended up seventh that year. But yeah, I think it then in 1991, uh, right? Didn't want to show, didn't want to win. That's 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 true but and they won and they sent something that represents one of their cultures just like this year uh, the netherlands sent jangu uh, with yunaman brokomi who was a very traditional with surinamis with beats from surinami yeah they basically okay we didn't we don't want to win but we will show some kind of diversity and truth is that napolitan songs are quite popular in italy just you can't understand them quite well (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've heard that um the neapolitan dialect is pretty incomprehensible to the rest of italy Yeah, once I've heard, uh, one, I don't know when was it, I think it was two years ago on the North, North Vision, the online contest. Uh, the guy who borrows, who has San Marino, that song, was borrowing songs from Italy and he found a Neapolitan song and I really thought that was Portuguese. <laughs> oh, man. Um, John, did you did you mention some of your favourite songs from this time? I I really think that the eighties and the nineties are just chef's kiss um, in Italy, except one song, but we'll get to that. Um, I mean, you had um, Alan Sorrenti, who's from Aberystwyth. Um, <laughs> oh, the moustache, the famous moustache. <laughs> yes, and um, his. I remember his entry was a big hit in Northern Europe. Um, Italian did Fazer, we've already spoken about, and one of the very few Eurovision songs that was actually a hit in Italy, Fanarina. Um, Toto's winner is one of my favourite winners. Um, and I get quite emotional when I hear the song, actually. Aww. Um Perhaps, I, I don't know if it's the, the melody or the kind of sentiment behind it, the Uniting Europe message, which is something I feel strongly about. Yeah. And since, especially, especially since the, the, the UK leave vote, I feel quite sad about that. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, I remember um, in, at the 2015 event in Vienna, they had the um, red carpet and there was an orchestra there playing Eurovision songs and one of them was in Siemi and when I heard the orchestra playing that song I was like, okay, don't cry, don't cry, don't Aww. cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Sorry, what, what, you, what? Sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. We're going to say something. Oh no! I just wanted to say that Insieme actually is a uniting song because you had Toto Cutugno, who is a member of who is, is a Italian representative, and he is a part of that so-called Western world. And you had Pepe Lincri, the his backing singers, who also represented Yugoslavia in 1976. Yes, of course. Yes, and they were, and we were like our former president said we were behind the iron curtain so basically there was it was like a un song that unites the western and the eastern europe ah. and let's not forget that uh, slovenia was actually the first former yugoslavian country that actually entered the european union in 2004 and there were slovenians so basically there is some kind of connection oh it all fits into place. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you've you've already spoken about Mia Martini as well, and I can't really add anything. It's one of the most amazing Eurovision songs ever. But she also had lots of wonderful songs in the Sanremo Festival. One of my favourites mm. is what's it? Uh, I think it's called La Nebicata from nineteen ninety. Mm. If you don't know it, check it out. It's beautiful. Okay. Um, Almeno Tuna Nuliverso is one of my favorite songs of hers. Yes, that's a brilliant song too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm just very pleased that um, Fiumi di Parole is loved by the Eurovision community at least. Yeah. So they have the, yeah. they have fans outside of Italy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. what's wrong with the Italians? Mm -hmm. Like. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, I'm but, uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, just uh, I wanted to mention that funny that after winning Sanremo in 1997, Jalisa were sending songs and over and over and over to Sanremo, and they were never accepted. I think they had several times they had a rant about it how they never were accepted on Sanremo, and uh, even Alessandra, the singer, even went to the voice of Italy and nobody turned their chair oh no. no but she had a quite a lame song so i'm not surprised it didn't show that she actually has the voice but come damn on it. damn it oh, i feel yeah. so sorry for them now uh, yeah over 20 times apparently they've entered songs for san remo now yeah yeah i think they they had a list of 24 songs they now were rejected. Damn it. Oof. There's one more song that um, I would love to talk about from this period, but I'm saving my opinion for now because I don't think um, either of you will like it as much as I do. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, that was just my um, reminder. That was just my alarm reminding me to take my pills. <laughs> Um, oh. <laughs> thank you, thank you, phone. I'll do that once we finish recording. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, one song I want to talk about, which I just c confuses me in a way. Like I don't dislike it, but it just confuses me in terms of like what could have we could have got, but instead what we did get was 
We do like, not mention that song in this house. <laughs> no, no, we don't. No. Um, yeah, they should have done finished higher in eighty nine. Ninety two goes without saying. Yeah. Okay, so um, shall we move on to the twenty first century? Well, we can. Okay, so um, of course, um, oh, hang on, I'm lost well, for a second. Oh, there we go. Okay, so of course we have to talk about the winner, um, last year's winner. So let's play the clip. Ma sono fuori di testa, ma diverso da loro. E tu sei fuori di testa, ma diverso da loro. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> I'll I... only say that from the first moment I heard it, and with it, and even though it was only with the orchestra, I knew this we wouldn't won the Eurovision Song Contest. It was that song. Yeah. It was. You know that Jeff with Lady Gaga when she was uh, she was talking about those uh, nice things about Florence from Florence and the Machine, like sophisticated, talented, never done before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was the song. I think that uh, Damiano, okay, mostly Dam, uh, Damiano's charisma was the one that captivated everything. Yeah. That intro where they were like opening the doors and he was like, "Hey, oh, oh, come on here." <laughs> that that was that was that moment when he when they actually won everything. Yeah. But I also have to mention that we wouldn't, he, they wouldn't have won if Rafaela Cara didn't insist on bringing Italy back to Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, yeah, sadly passed away quite recently. And um, yeah, 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 she was actually uh, the director of Rai Uno, said that they wanted to invite her to. Of course, to host both not only Sanremo but Eurovision because she was the one who actually insisted to bring to Italy to come back, and she was even the commentator for their their return the for the their the contest the, the edition when they returned in 2011. She commentated and she even gave the vote the Italian votes. Yeah, and. Yeah, and I think that it's really a shame that she didn't live enough to see Italy finally being Eurovision being in Italy after 31 mm. years. Yeah. It is a big loss. Yeah. But, um... yeah I'm sorry, sorry, I'm kind of emotional and I forgot to, to speak English. <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> um... Yeah, um, yeah, obviously, like, from the first minute I heard it, like, um, I was like, oh my god, this needs to go to Eurovision, and then, like, by the time, I would, um, by the time, like, the actual contest happened, like, I was 
pretty convinced that it was going to win and I was so thrilled when it did and uh, funny enough because um John you'll remember like the last couple of years I've been sick kind of saying oh like the 2010s Italy will finally win and it happens like pretty much like two years into the decade (laughs) it (laughs) happens so Mm. that's pretty good um insight on my part and um yeah yeah i'm just um and it's really great to see that monoskin are doing so well after eurovision and stuff like that Mm. although i want to take a minute to take a rant because um obviously you know they've been they've been doing very well and obviously have been um uh having chart success even in america and um I've been seeing a lot of idiot Americans being like, oh my God, Damiano's voice sounds so horrible. And I'm like, well, you're not going to like uh, like 95% of um, male Italian singers because um, they all kind of have that kind of same raspy kind of vocal. Yeah, so... I, I smoked two, two boxes of cigars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do need to say that it was, first of all, I was really excited when I heard that Italy came back. Second of all, I was really quite pissed during the last decade because I think Italy should have won at least two or three times. Okay, I first, okay, I don't like Il Volo and Grande Amore, that it was one of my most hated Italian songs, not only in Eurovision, but ever. <laughs> yeah, but I have to. But now, after seven years, I think. Well, well, I think then that year I think Sweden shouldn't won, but Belgium. I like. I now I adore Renum inside. Yeah, but but I think Italy should have won uh, twenty thirteen. With Marco Mengoni with L'Essenziale, which is an amazing ballad, Italian, that typical Italian canzona, yes. where you, like you want to rip your shirt and put, <laughs> put those arms like Jesus uh, in, in Rio de Janeiro and start singing Mentre Muda Cade a Pezzi. <laughs> Occidentalis Karma, Banger, and I can't believe that the, his record company did him dirty. But literally, Oops. and of course, 2019 Mahmoud. I adore that song, and okay, I will admit that Duncan had a chart success after Eurovision. And of course, uh, I think Italy would have won in 2020 if Eurovision was cancelled. Yeah, yes. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I think, yeah, maybe, okay, but I think it would be a winner like, for instance, uh, Jamala and Duncan were that they, he wouldn't top the jury watch, he wouldn't probably top the Telebook, but he would be kind enough to probably snatch it all. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, if, if yeah. Corona hadn't happened, it would have been two wins in a row. Yeah. Yeah. That I I mean that performance in Arena di Verona is chilling. I remember. I know every time I see that performance, I start I start crying. Aww. It's so. Me too. It's so. Me too. It's so. 
it's so emotional, so heartbreaking, and mostly because you now have that situation in the music industry when you then now singers can't even perform, and basically you have empty venues, and that was one a hell of a venue, and that was empty. Yeah, because um, um, I've been look because I've got a um ticket to see Pinguini Tachi Nucleari in um the Medellanium in Milan, and that their tour has been postponed what like three or four times now because of the pandemic, and I, I I I just feel so sorry for them because I've kind of I've I've got the horrible feeling that they're just so frustrated and fed up with this situation and i'm just like oh no i just want to give everyone a big hug yeah and now we have also this uh, situation with moniskin i think uh, yesterday it was or two days ago when uh, damiano victoria thomas and ethan had that heartbreaking video yeah where yeah, where they mentioned they had to postpone the entire tour and they were planning that tour, I think, even like two, two weeks after Sanremo. Yeah. But also, um, I do have to admit that in 2010, uh, Italy had actually good results considering that they didn't have a kind of promo yeah. among the... And preparations. I remember uh, Jan Borsch, uh, the former Czech, uh, the former head of a Czech delegation. He has also a podcast, and he had uh, Nicola Corrigiore, the former uh, Italian head of delegation, and he mentioned that uh, when they had to talk with the singer about going to Eurovision and starting start to, to prepare the artifact artists for the for the contest their music uh, their music their record companies would have would have scheduled a bunch of concerts around Italy they wouldn't have time to prepare for Eurovision so mm. it was like it was a kind of mess because you Italian you have a, a great example of Francesco Gabani who was a pre-contest favorite in 2017 and he was exhausted hmm. he was literally every day in another city yeah I've, i yeah i've noticed that some of them uh the other people in the press room have kind of said in hindsight yeah by the time eurovision happened he was just so exhausted yeah <laughs> you... so done <laughs> yeah you can you can easily see how he kind of like Okay, we have black eyes, but he, he couldn't hide how tired he was Ugh. back then. On that subject, I also kind of feel that Emma Morone was also extremely tired by the time Eurovision happened. Like, like she was pretty much out of breath during the whole song. And like, I even remember during a prof press conference, she was just like, oh, I'm just really fucking tired. And I'm just like, oh, I feel so sorry for you. Yeah, I remember also from that new interview that Caligiore had with uh, Jan Borsch, uh, he mentioned that he actually feels sorry that he wanted to put on Emma everything, every Eurovision cliche that exists, and basically that was a really cliche performance. I don't know. I think in that, in that year, 
I think controversial that one Sanremo in 2014 should have gone that year. Mm. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, but that year, uh, I don't know what happened, but I do remember Laura Pausini mentioning few months before Moniskin even winning won the, the Sanremo. She said, oh, I was invited by the Italian broadcaster to represent Italy in uh, the Eurovision. Uh, but she didn't say which year, but uh, but I, but in the end, I didn't win because I already had booked tour. Okay, now you, if you're interested, you go to Wikipedia and you see that basically she she went to, she went on a tour in uh, 2013 for 2014, and basically you realize that prob that Italy probably wanted for 50. 50, 50th anniversary of their first victory. They wanted Laura Pausini to to represent Italy on Eurovision, hmm. but they didn't. But they couldn't get Laura Pausini, so they went for Emma. And Emma had that uh, best of uh, album with La Mia Città is one of those new songs, and she went with that song. But they put uh, Hell of a Mess. As a performance, oh my god, mistakes were made. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the the head of delegation though, because it, you know, this is a it's a real success story with Italy. What happens when you have a delegation that care about the contest and know and you know know what to do to get interest back going again, and you know, the viewing figures have been going gradually up a little bit and you know we have San Remo songs the San Remo winners going to Eurovision so there's that consistent level of quality yeah and now they've won it <laughs> yeah I think uh, a great thing happened in 2013 because Marco Mengoni went to Eurovision as a huge star yeah. For instance, Rafael Gualazzi, he, he won the Nuove Proposte. It was a newcomer. It, it, it's a newcomer category, and yeah. it's not. Yeah, it's he wasn't famous. Nina Zilli, he was. She was half famous, and she she didn't also bought some attention. But when Marco Mengoni, as a former X Factor winner, as a huge star back then, and he's also a huge star now. When he went to Europe, and that's another that's now another story. And also, I can't even forget Carlo Conti, who was the artistic artistic director of uh, 2015 edition of Sarevo, when he put uh, one uh, one sentence in the regulation for Sanremo that the winner of Sanremo has the first offer to go to Eurovision. If yeah. he if she declines, then we will choose another one, or the second, or the third, or so. And uh, Ilvo, I'm okay. Ilvola won, but I was so into Mac. Yes, yeah, I was, love that song too. I was the was a banger, and I can't believe it didn't won. Oh, yeah. But I do have to admit that Grande More is still quite known, not only in the Eurovision, but also outside the Eurovision bubble and Ilolo also they had a concert here in Empatia like last summer 
There, it, it was uh, it was quite full audience. Wow! And they and they didn't make a name of themselves. Uh, uh, and the winner, on the other hand, is a quite different story. <laughs> and also, even though uh, in 2016 when Stadio won, uh, Francesca Michelin also went as a huge star uh, mm. to the Eurovision Song Contest. Gabani, well, he wasn't so known, but Occidentalis Karma was a instant hit in Italy. The, so basically, since 2015, you have quite huge hits to, that went to Eurovision Song Contest. Regarding how many, I don't know, how many platinum records achieved. For instance, Non mi avete fatto niente. Because in that year, uh, Lo Stato Sociale outsold them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, I think I was talking with, um, with uh, John about this probably last year, because like, he, he wasn't sure how popular Eurovision was in Italy, and I was kind Ooh. of like, oh, I know a, a, a few Italian through young Italians, through um, the PTN fandom, and they what they love Eurovision. So I think at least you know the younger generation are getting into it, and you know making. Well, that's yeah, that's what we need. Yeah, and um, you know when um, Morniskin mm-hmm. won, like um, they were making so many memes about the fact that they beat France and stuff like that. It was yeah. like it was so funny. Well, just uh, so you know, uh, Dan, Italy and France are quite known enemies uh, in history, not only in Eurasian, but also in sports. So, yeah. every time, so every time Italy is in front of France, it's a huge party. But we, <laughs> yeah, but we also uh, don't have to can't forget that, well, Moniskin did come with a... Uh, with, and then with a song that isn't typical Sanremo, not only typical. We always we always look Sanremo as a ta- Italian canzone, a half singing, half talking ballads, and then you have a, then they you, and then some four young people came with the, altogether they had eighty four years, and then they all basically on the stage. Yeah, and, and they won first a canzone contest, then a, a so-called pop contest. I don't know if you have listened to the Irish uh, head of delegation or so a couple of days ago when they had a, a presentation of songs for the Lately Show, but he was uh, they were always saying Eurovision is a song of pop songs. It's not a contest of pop songs no. only. You, it's you can't always uh, make a bubble of only pop songs. You can you can you can easily kill a contest like this. And that's why Ireland has finished um, outside of the final more often than not in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wasn't mm-hmm. like Heroes the last true pop song to win? Like every. Ever since then, it's just kind of been more kind of slightly off-beat kind of mm-hmm. songs. Like, even Toy is not, like, a 
traditional kind of pop song. Yeah, it's some kind of pop with Mizrahi elements. Yeah. And yeah, we we have a uh, Duncan who is an uh, indie pop. You have uh, Jamala who is some kind of alternative. I think. Yeah, also, and also with yeah, and also with some traditional melos, you have uh, the you have Amar Pelodoish who was a typical jazz song inspired by La La Land, which is basically the reason why white one. So yeah, basically you have Monsemilov uh, and Heroes as the last pure pop song. That yeah. one. Yeah, definitely. Um, John, do you have anything to add? Um, not, not so much. I think you've both covered lots and lots there, really. Um, my favourite songs from this period of time, I guess, would be L'Essenziale, um, No Degree of Separation, Nessun Grado di Separazione, um, and, of course, uh, By Rumore. What could have been... Yeah. With that song. Yeah. I, I think it would have exploded the entire Ahoy Arena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, one sec. No. Um, uh, my personal favourites that, you know, that haven't already mentioned, obviously, I like Moleskin quite a lot. I like Soldi quite a lot. I like Diodato quite a lot. Um, I'm, I'm quite a big, um, have a huge half. Um, have a huge soft spot for Francesca Michelin's song. Um, I just yeah. think, um, like, especially the lyrics kind of, like, make me a bit teary for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. It just, like, mm -hmm. like, and I remember, like, in the jury final for the final of the 2016 mm -hmm. contest, like, when she was, like, doing her rehearsal, like, all of a sudden I just started bawling in tears and I just did not know why <laughs> but it just sometimes, sometimes you can't explain why or how yeah. a song grabs you it, it just does yeah yeah I think that the lyrics of Nessun Grado di Separazione is actually today more relevant than it was in 2016 definitely it, yeah. it, it really is a, a bit of ahead of the time even though Francesca has much better songs yeah. Outside the outside the Sanremo bubble, but there was actually a kind of a mix of her usual style she act that she was recording at that time and that Sanremo tradition. It was it was a quite a balance, but was one of her one of her finest works? Probably not, but was it? Did it deserve to be sixteenth? Absolutely not. She deserved to be a bit higher. Especially when you know that some songs that were quite overhyped were <laughs> among top ten. Yeah. Have have you have either of you seen the role that Francesca has in this year's Sanremo? Yeah, of she's... course, of course. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah, she's um doing uh on the covers night. She's doing a duet with uh, Emma Marone, and they're doing Britney Spears' "Baby One More Time," and I just can't. And, and, I'm just and not, cannot believe and it. Not only, 
And not only that, she's actually conducting the orchestra for Emma Marone's performances. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Can you imagine if they still had um, an orchestra at Eurovision? The conductor is Francesca Michelini. (laughs) Yeah, but quite interesting that too, that after they Italy came back, their two worst uh, positions were actually from Emma and from Francesca, and now they're both uniting (laughs) to performance on the panel. (laughs) Undeserved. Yeah. 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 And also, yeah. Oh, go, go on. No, I just sort of only wanted to say that uh, it's easily to see why Italy is popular in twenty tens and in term in terms of songs because that's actually what represents the Italian music scene. Yeah. You, yeah, uh, Sanremo is one. Okay, Sanremo is that festival where you represent yourself in case you're probably worried you won't be booked or something like that. But that actually, but then nowadays, Amadeus did miracles with Sanremo. Yeah. He, he quite modernized. I, last year, Sanremo was one of my favorites ever. Oh yeah, there were so many mm. good songs that year. And not only that, it uh, in terms of, I don't know if you look at at songs that he what they achieve later. It's actually one of the most success, successful years. Oh. You can, yeah, they have at least fifteen platinum editions. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. For instance, um, uh, La Representante de Lista, who were quite unknown, but. They were like an they were like an indie performer, but they actually achieved really really big success. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, love them. <laughs> yeah, their Poland, their Amara was quite successful for someone who's uh, like an indie performer. Also, you have. Uh, Colapesce di Martino, who, who I've mentioned several times, they have like for Musica Leggerissima at least five times they won the Platinum Award. Wow! It, it's amazing. And also, Diti Boni was also a big hit, but they were outsold by Colapesce di Martino at that time. Yeah. But, but, we, Colapesce and Di Martino had a uh, had a song that was quite hyped by the by the press when when they first heard the song. So they actually knew that would it would be a quite radiophonic song. Yeah. So so I do have to admit that I really can't wait this in the next week when we will, when Sanremo will be again. Yeah, it's definitely looking very promising. I'm very excited, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. And also, now when we talk about 21st century and those years when Italy was absent, I really need to mention that it, Italy would have won even 1999 and 2001 if they participated. Yeah, I we think did. Since, 
Yeah, we did a whole um, special about like San Remo winners that um, during that absence yeah. and like how they could have done. And um, me and John definitely agreed that they could have possibly won 2001. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned Elisa because she's back this year and she yes. is one of the favourites, apparently. Yeah. So yeah. She, we could get some wrongs righted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I well back in that in two thousand one, I don't I don't know if he knew it, but that Luce Tramonti del Nord, Tramonti del Nord was written by Zucchero, who is yeah. also oh. who is who is a extremely fa- favorite Italian singer. Yeah. So it was a, and that was actually Elisa's first Italian song. Yeah, because um yeah she had a few mm-hmm. like English hit songs before that. <laughs> Yeah, and now she actually has a chance. This is actually her second appearance on Sanremo as a contestant. So, if she manages to could, to participate and win again, she will actually do it twenty one years after she won. Aww. So she would have two participations and two wins. Who has that? No one. <laughs> True. Yeah, you know, now I've been joking, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um. Uh, by the way, um, I think um, yeah, you were Grande Amore was the one you were alluding to in terms of the one that you were going to rant. Did you say all that you wanted to rant about that, or do you have more? Because I'm really interested mm-hmm. to hear why you dislike that one. Because I'm not a fan of that song mm-hmm. either. And it's just ba- basic, uh, a basic song with a bit of opera singing. No, nothing special for me. And uh, most of my rant is because, and that's that your cinema was actually also quite strong. And what my favorite was. Number was second, and I was really sad, really, really sad. Oh, infatti avanti amore. So you know, you know why. <laughs> yeah, I also really like that one. Yeah, but I do have to say that I remember the rehearsal, and it was, it was a quite basic performance. So I'm not surprised they the jurors that year went for a highly advanced. Let screen by itself, uh, moons and heroes. Yeah. Even though, and there it was a oh well, it was a modern song for Eurovision standards. Let's be honest. Yeah. And uh, I was actually quite surprised when I saw they won the televote. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it was a huge surprise, and I think it was a huge surprise even for them. But I can't see why they won because they were like three cute guys who were singing opera and they performed even less. So they had a much bigger impact. You, it's always like the running order. If you are performing as more than versus the last numbers, you can actually have a bigger impact than someone who performed first, second, sixth, eighth. Yeah. It, so, it was a it was a really powerful performance. What you know, whatever you think of that song. <laughs> yeah, vocally yes, but 
that was actually one of the problems that Caligiore said in uh, that podcast with uh, Jan Borsch. That the record companies would actually, after Sanremo, they would book the tour around whole Italy to for the for the artists to perform there to to the, okay to perform their songs to sign their albums and so on to perform several songs from from it even some new they have to need to hear so it was quite difficult for them to prepare prepare a decent Eurovision act and I think that one of the keys why Moniskin actually won this year is number one they actually follow the contest they even mentioned at the press conference that they were they remember Marco Mengoni they remember Francesca on in uh, Stockholm hmm. and yeah and number two uh, they didn't have to go from one talent city to another talent city every single day to perform or to present their album to sign so they actually were much more, not to say quiet, but much more calm, and they could prepare a performance for Eurovision. That was a problem for, for, for example, for Gabani, who went from I don't know one one city to another city, and in the meantime he had to perform, he had to rehearse, and he didn't, and it actually he came very tired in Kiev. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, actually, the key of the talent victory is also this. They had time to prepare a performance. Yeah. Yeah, that makes even, a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. E- yeah. Even though for that, we had to have COVID and a new head of delegation. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder what will happen when Italy opens back up again. And um, will they, they send their artists back out on the road? <laughs> will it affect their fortunes at Eurovision? I hope not, but we'll have to see. Time will tell. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. be- before we move on to the um, the to the voting, I just want to mention that non mi avete fatto niente. Back then, into. 2018 i was very mid on that song i didn't get it but like since like the pandemic you know and me just getting more angry about the state of the world and stuff like that like i have a newfound appreciation and um, understanding of that song and it's just kind of like right now it just feels like a great big yell to the world like you haven't done anything to me kind of thing you know this stupid pandemic is not gonna ruin me and there's that kind of thing it just feels very defiant right now uh i actually i then back that year i loved uh in mondo prima di te from analisa i loved uh, frida of uh, the colors i don't know if you remember them oh yeah i like that uh, one yeah and of course uh, una vita in vacanza which is also my ringtone for uh, like four years oh i love that song yeah and uh, those basically outsold in outsold 
on music charts. Non mi avete fatto niente, but I didn't like the song before, but nowadays I'm like, okay, I hear it on the radio and I won't change my channel. <laughs> and, if and if I don't change my channel, that means, okay, I can tolerate it. So, but I think that I think that Erma Almeta won the won Sanremo with the wrong song. If he, I think that much superior was uh, Vietato Morire from 2017. But he had that that unfortunate um, thing that Francesco Gabani was that year, and he was with a much superior song. Yeah. So he wasn't lucky, but I was also, I was really surprised that he they were third on the televote that year. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's that then. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go through the public vote. We asked um, our listeners to rank their top ten Italian songs, and we're going to. Before we, re um, uh, in a short while, we're going to reveal what the they voted as the top ten. But before then, we're each going to reveal our personal top tens. Oh, and yes. um, I know for me and uh, Amelia, at least, it was very hard to decide uh, ten songs because there was some quite painful cuts that had to be made. Um, was that the same thing for you, John? Oh, absolutely. Just um, just because I've had to leave a song out doesn't mean I don't love it. Yeah. But, you know, it's so difficult to pick just ten. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, so when we all did it in uh, the Eurovision score, so like 12, 10, 8, then 7 to 1, so, um, in ascending order, so from 10th place to 1st place, we're going to reveal our personal top 10, and then we'll reveal the public's top 10, which includes our points as well. Um, so, um, Amelia, why don't you go first? Uh, what, um, talk about what your top 10 is in ascending okay, order. Okay, so, so I'm going from, uh, from my 10th place until my 1st place, or? Yeah. Okay, so I gave one point to Giuliola Cinquetti from 1964. Good. No, no, no. Then two two points are for Nel Blu, Dipinto di Blu. Three points, of course, Diodato. It was quite hard to make some prove some good rank rating because it's oh my god, it was difficult. So I put, gave three points to Diodato, uh, four points to Mahmoud, uh, five points to Umberto Tozzi and Draf, six points uh, to Marco Mengoni, seven to Francesco Gabani, eight points to Jalise, ten points, <laughs> they were hard, Moreskin, and of course, 12 points to Mia Martini from 1992. Very good, very good. Um... Okay, so I'll go next. Okay, so um, my my number one my one points go to nineteen ninety three Solidaire Europa. 
Uh, and then uh, my two points go to Nonna Letta, uh, 1964, of course. Then my three points go to 1970, Oki di Ragazza. And um, my four points go to 1958, Nel Blu Dipinto di Blu. Sorry. <laughs> my, I'm, my, I'm start, my jaw's starting to get a bit tired, so I'm saying things funny. <laughs> Nel blu dipinto di blu. <laughs> Sorry. Nel blu, nel blu dipinto di blu. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, and then um, my five points go to Fire Rumore. Then um, my six points go to 2016 uh, uh, Nessun Grado di Separazione. Um, then my seven points go to 1992, uh, Rhapsodia. Um, by the way, my top four was like very hard to decide for. Like, like on any other day, it could be in any different order, but this is the order I put, I put in for today. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. my, my eight points go to um, Fumi di Parale, 1997. Then, um, like uh, Emilia, my 10 points go to Morniskin, um, last year, mm. of course. And then my 12 points go to Soldi from uh, 2019. I just... Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, it just it just felt like it made sense when I made this um, top 10. I, I, I just like it that much. <laughs> ah. I also love it, but I love more some other songs, though. <laughs> Okay, that's that's yeah. fine. Okay, John. So, um, what about your top ten? Hmm. It's quite different. <laughs> um, <laughs> spoiler alert. And there are, having listened to your two top tens, there are some glaring omissions. I'm afraid. Yeah. So I gave one point to Aldi Lau from 1961. <laughs> Two points to my guilty pleasure Radio di Luna from 1979. Um, three points, not such a surprising one, Itveni di Tuzer, 84. Uh, four points, uh, L'amore un attimo from 1971. Five points for their host entry, Come Dolce o Mare, Peppi. Six points, Insieme. Seven points, Fiumi di Parole. Eight points, Fai Rumore. Still gutted about that song. Ten points to Rhapsodia. And twelve points to a song that nobody's mentioned so far. It's Albano and Romina Power with Magic or Magic. Wow. Be- because I because I love that song so much and nobody else seems to remember it at all, but I love it and I can't explain why. I just do. Oh. Uh, There's nothing wrong. You like what you like. Uh, I'm just laughing yeah. because it's just such an odd choice. <laughs> but that's me. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's that's what I do. <laughs> Like, why else are we friends? I wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) 
We would be friends if I thought you were stupid. Ah. <laughs> 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 Okay, so we take our scores and then we add it to all the scores that the public have sent in. And um, um, I'll reveal the top 10, okay, in ascending order. Okay, and um, uh, there will be a few surprises, I think it's fair to say. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, okay, so in 10th place, we have 2011 Madness of Love. Whoa! No. Oh no! Someone no. remembers that book. <laughs> yeah, I I'm afraid. I'm afraid I don't like their comeback song. Um, I like it. Yeah, I I think that in 2011, I think they should have gone with uh, Arivera from with from Emma and Moda. Okay. It, that was a banger. Okay, then in ninth place we have Nel Blue Tipi Blue 1958. I'm kind of surprised it's only ninth. Only but... ninth. <laughs> yeah, it goes to show just how weird this top ten is. Well, I can't wait for the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then another one I'm surprised wasn't much higher, but. In number eight, we have Occidentali's Karma from 2017. Yeah, that is quite surprising. Yeah, I thought that was going to be top five at the very least. That's, yeah. Okay, then in seventh place, we have Rhapsodia from 1992. What? Oh my god, that's too low! I know! <laughs> who, who, who voted? <laughs> uh, and um, this is going to um, surprise you guys. Um, in sixth place, we have 2012 Lamori Efemina. Well, actually, I'm not surprised so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Maybe it was just me, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but um... quite, It's quite surprising. Yeah. Okay, then... Um, keeping on with the slightly surprisingly high um, votes. Um, in fifth place, we have 2018 Nomi Avete Fatto I'm detecting a recency bias with this. Poem. Yeah. <laughs> there is very, spoiler alert, there is very much a recency bias with this top 10. <laughs> oh, boy. Then in fourth place we have Fumi di Porale from 1977, rather. Thank goodness. Oh. Uh, that was quite interesting. What next? Then in third place we have Fai Rumore from 2020. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then um, it was quite close between uh, the top three, by the way. So um, mm. brace yourselves. Okay, so in second place, we have City Abwani from last year. Ooh. Oh, I thought, they, I thought they would have won. Yeah, yeah. usually it's the most, re- usually the most recent one that ends up winning our country polls. And then, then. 
with only a four points difference, our winner of our Italy poll, but by the public, is Soldi from Soldi. 2019. Soldi. I knew that was for me. <laughs> yeah, actually, I should have expected it also. Okay, so um, this was a very fun episode and uh, quite a long episode, but um, we had a, quite a lot to talk about, understandably. So um, uh, before we go, I just have to say a big thank you once again to for, to Emilia for coming in and giving her expert Italian Eurovision knowledge. And um, yeah. hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast at some point. Yeah. I hope one day we'll, Croatia will win. So, <laughs> but but oh, I think yes. yeah, but I think a tsunami will hit Croatia before then. Oh, <laughs> well, you never you never know. Okay, so that's where we're going to end this podcast now. So we'll probably see you about next week when me and John will finally begin our national final 2022 coverage so that's going to be exciting mm. I'm, an I'm anxious already <laughs> oh boy so until then <laughs> so um remember to check us out on ecpulse.com you can listen to a podcast on apple podcast and on spotify so until next week goodbye bye ciao ciao